0: FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon.
1: Well, good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight. I'm your host, Jeff Shannon. We got another spotlight going on right now. And of course, we have a lot to talk about because you know what? There's over the past week or so we've had a lot a lot of activity and some really devastating things and so i wanted to bring mayor jamie clary back in because we talked to him early on uh just right after this happened and now let's just uh get an update mayor and see what what's happening now
2: sure uh, we've had a lot going on just this past saturday we had 850 volunteers another couple hundred you know, in our parks before that we've had we've had probably thousands of volunteers come out and help us out these aren't just people from Hendersonville but people from around Middle Tennessee. Uh, several church groups came out and just emailed or called and said, "Hey, what what can we do to to assist post- people that are trying to recover?" Clearview Circle is totally different than what it was just a week ago.
1: Can you tell everybody in just in relationship where is that located?
2: Okay. So Clearview Circle, it's really bordered by Drake's Creek Park, Old Shackle Island Road, Gallatin Road, and Drake's Creek. It's a small neighborhood, older neighborhood that's been there for a long time. We all pass it many, many times. It's a great little secret to Hendersonville with its location. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are three or four minutes from everywhere, several houses on the lake, neat little neighborhood there. It's just somewhere that a lot of people don't know about, but when they do, it's like, this is is Mm -hmm. pretty cool.
1: So the age of those houses, what, the 70s maybe? Yeah, most of those
2: houses were built in the 60s and 70s. A lot of the residents there are older residents. So it's particularly hard for, for them to recover. 80, 90 years old to get out and cut up a tree, they had to rely a lot of volunteers. We were able to provide a lot of those. Now, there's still some there's some younger folks there that were able to come out and help, and some of the younger residents there. But all of them needed some help from volunteers, and, uh, and we provided it to them during the week and then certainly on Saturday.
1: Now, I know with businesses, I think there were probably around 53 businesses either damaged or destroyed. Have we got a count on the residentials that were damaged, the amount?
2: The the total number of businesses affected, and this is from minor to major to destroyed is about 137. We had 141 residents okay. wow. that that, that had damage. I and mean, okay. that's like I said, that's from minor to major yeah. to totally yeah. destroyed. Okay. We will find out that more will have to be demolished or have to be totally rebuilt in the next several days. The reason for that is, is as insurance comes in and as as financing takes impact, the owners will figure out that it makes more sense to replace something than to than to repair it. And so we will find out more and more as we as we go on. There's also the fact that we have some of those businesses that are in they're in strip shopping centers or they share a common wall with another business mm-hmm. and one business got hit worse than the other. A great example of that is the Ultimate Party store in, in Miscellaneous. Right. Uh, the Ultimate Party Store was in the middle of that building, and if you look at that, you don't see miscellaneous
1: anymore. That's right. I mean, it, that was what's crazy about these storms. It was like Pizza Ranch. I mean, because of where it's sitting, it's sitting down mm-hmm. low in there, and I think that saved them a lot because the, it was sitting lower and it just mm-hmm. took their sign down, maybe a couple little small damage, mm-hmm. but then went across the way and look what it did there. You know, I mean, it's
2: <laughs> interesting you mentioned Pizza Ranch because they actually, they actually had their inside closed for a couple days, but they had ingredients and in that they typically used for pizza, they donated those ingredients to help out on Saturday. And so we had some food trucks that wanted to come help out, and it worked out that some of the food trucks were providing meals to volunteers using the ingredients that Pizza Ranch had. That's right. So it's definitely a community effort in that situation.
1: Well, I will tell you, I think it's fantastic, or as I say, shantastic, (laughs) that all of these businesses have stepped up to help those that really need it. Food trucks, I mean, people, restaurants, uh, things of that nature, they're providing these meals and resources to the workers and because we had a lot of them in town.
2: You mentioned food trucks. Early on, gosh, when I was here, the Sunday, 12 hours afterwards, speaking here in WHIN, one of our concerns was the amount of traffic on Gallatin Road. At that point, and for another day, we had no operating traffic signals on Gallatin Road. Mm -hmm. So at 9.30 on a Sunday, it was bumper to bumper on Gallatin Road, which we've never seen before. And the reason for that was the traffic signals. So we had police officers out there directing traffic, and fortunately, we had many police officers from other, other agencies come help us out. At the same time, we had folks that didn't have electricity, so it's, it's hard to begrudge them the fact that they need to go out and get something to eat. Right. When we had food trucks volunteer to help out, the first thing that we thought of using the Chamber of Commerce and United Way was, let's get those food trucks into some of those neighborhoods so that those folks who don't have electricity and can't pull anything out of the refrigerator, they can have lunch, they can have dinner without having to, go out, ha- having to drive out. And right. those food trucks were huge to us. Several of them donated their time and their resources, and then we had some people help in in other situations to donate for them that's something that i'm working on right now is collecting a list of of food trucks as well as all the businesses that volunteered and contributed Mm -hmm. and over the past several days on facebook i've I've been doing some thank yous. And I thought this was something that would take three or four days. I think now I'm on day six of thank yous. <laughs> and I continue to add yeah. to my list of, of businesses, organizations, and people that I need.
1: As far as where we were and where we're at now, gosh, it's uh, amazing with the, all the help that we've had. And, and the thing that I like is the surrounding cities and agencies mm-hmm. have, have come to help. And that's the great thing about Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee is they really do that and, and really help mm-hmm. you guys out because I mean you have limited resources yeah. as far as that goes. When something like this big happens you know
2: off the top of my head but I think I said this before and I've said this several times is before we even knew all the damage in Hendersonville Paige Brown from Gallatin and Freddie O'Connell from Nashville reached out so our neighbors from the east and the west they had damage and they reached out to us very early on mm, to see what yeah. they could do to help yeah but then Mount Juliet and Lebanon and Portland and White House and Millersville and Goodlettsville and Murfreesboro and Smyrna Uh, the Sumner County Sheriff's Department, also the Sumner County. Uh, And I know I'm forgetting some folks here. What they did was sort of helped us in two areas. One is they helped us direct traffic. Like I said, we had zero operating traffic signals on Gallantown Road, as well as some other intersections. And some of those intersections needed two or three police officers. Oh, absolutely. We had all our reserve officers out there, and we had... We had officers that were pulling multiple shifts, and to have those officers come out and help us, that was huge. But then also those cities provided some of the crews and some of their trucks to help help remove debris. Very quickly, Mary Esther Reed out of Smyrna emailed me and asked how she could help, and I told her I'm going to get back to you, and same thing from, from the mayor of Murfreesboro. So the next day I emailed him and said, here's what we need. We need a crew and we need some trucks. And so, both of those cities, just like the other cities that I mentioned, set out crews and set out trucks. You'll notice maybe the big difference between this and the tornado of two years ago is we don't have as much debris still sitting on the side of the road. Right. Uh, that's because we've been able to remove it so quickly, especially with the volunteers, especially with those cities. And that's a fortunate situation to be in. We do know that a lot of people have debris in their backyard, and it may not be in the hardest hit areas, but it's going to be on Rockland Road, which was hit pretty hard. Yes, and it's it going was. to be in some of those, and it's going to be in Winston Hills and some of the other other neighborhoods. So we want to be prepared to remove those tree limbs as they get up to the curb. One of the things that we did, and I'll talk about this later on as well, is uh, after the last tornado was we evaluated what we did well and what we could do better. One of those areas that we thought we could do better was removing tree limbs from curbs. We were challenged in that because we wanted to hire outside companies to help us. But those companies very often just contracted with the homeowners that I can come pick up your tree limbs now or you Mm -hmm. can wait for the city, pick them up weeks later. So what we did was we we sought bids and this is several months ago to have an on call tree limb hauler. Hopefully we wouldn't have to use them. But in this case, we had a company that won that bid and they were our on call tree limb hauler. You see their big red trucks. It's a big red truck with a big red trailer on it. You see those going through town. Mm -hmm. When the tornado hit, Sarah Locke, our public works director, called them up and reminded them, you are ours. (laughs) Um, You're not working for somebody else. You are working for us. And so that's also part of the reason we've been able to do so much in so little time.
1: Well, and I noticed a lot of trees have been chainsawed. I mean, they've been cut. They're just laying there, like right around the the Drake's Creek area right mm-hmm. there. When you're going over the bridge, there's a lot there. Oh, my gosh. And so many down in in the Rockland Road Recreation Area, that place doesn't even look the same. I mean, it's gotten level. Of course, that's TVA, is that correct? Or CORE. Are the Cores running all that?
2: Some of it is CORE. Back in the Rockland, Rockland Park, the CORE is, will be responsible for that. And businesses are responsible for removing their debris and their tree limbs. We we provide services for residents.
1: Now here's the thing, we've been pushing this too, is you cannot mix debris, vegetation with uh, metals and and other items, because they won't pick them up.
2: So that's a a big problem with our volunteers. We insisted and we impressed on them many, many times that if you're gonna help out, it's very important that you don't mix the debris with with um, with the tree limbs. And the reason for that is because we take those tree limbs, we put them in a big pile off of Free Hill Road, and they eventually go into grinder. And mm-hmm. we, we want to be able to use those tree limbs that are organic. We want to be able to use the, the chip tree limbs that come down almost in the size of pellets. We want to be able to use that later on. When you put trash and you put non-organics or inorganics mm-hmm. in there, it sort of ruins that pile.
1: Yeah, it kind of messes things up. But I think we had a pretty good response you know, from FEMA and SBA and the Red Cross who are, were pretty much on top of that. And this was probably due because you did the proclamation so early on, that got things rolling a lot faster.
2: Very much so, is that I communicate with Gallatin, communicate with the county and with Nashville about a uh, declaration of, of emergency. And it's not something I like doing, not something mm-hmm. I look forward to doing, but it enables us to, uh, to get assistance from FEMA and from TEMA and from the Small Business Administration. Uh, and, and, and it helps the folks who, who have suffered the most. And so it made sense to do it. We never even considered a curfew or anything like that. We never considered any any other uh, opportunities within that declaration. But we knew that it was likely that there was going to be federal assistance for cities that had declared an emergency. And I felt like I needed to do that.
1: Well, and speaking of assistance and things like that, you know, when things like this happen, unfortunately, you get the scammers that show up. Have you had many reports of those incidents?
2: So we have had a couple. Very early, one of the things that we did it was we encouraged people to turn to United Way of Sumner County uh unitedwaysumner.org by the way if you want to if you want to contribute Aaron Birch has just been phenomenal her staff has been phenomenal and, and when it came to actually contributing items they and we worked with the Chamber of Commerce to do that and the chamber accepted many many items uh, at, at their event space here at Streets of Any Lake working with United Way immediately provided any anybody with skepticism some credibility in what in where we were tr- having them turn to we had several organizations offer to take contributions in our name, but we didn't know about those organizations, so mm-hmm. we we felt more com- comfortable just at- turning people United Way. I received a phone call from a large corporation in Nashville, Nashville asking how they could help, and they had goods as well as they had they, they had money, and they asked who I was working through t- for those for those contributions, and I said United Way at Sumner County, and their response was, oh good, we're <laughs> happy you're doing that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and look, the the amount of donations that they had over here at the event space, they, the center, it was uh, amazing, and these are... Are, are going out every single day and they're being distributed uh, I guess the the main thing they're, they're recommending people go over to the Samaritan Center here in Hendersonville they're looking for items uh, you know toiletries and things of that nature which would be a, a good spot because they're going to be transferring a lot of those items over there and it's going to be an effort to do that but I guess you'll just have if we have one central you know spot I think that's going to help
2: well it also freed our staff up to do what they do well and having the chamber staff the United Way staff is, and their volunteers yeah To collect these items and hold on to these items and and by the way we will have a lot more items than we have a need for from this tornado however we will hold on to those and we will use those in the future and i'll give you a great example the y has their frostbite 5k coming up Mm -hmm. and uh, contacted kathy raiglin and we believe that's still going to happen on the 30th okay even though the y is closed (laughs) and one of the things i i mentioned to kathy is that we're going to do our best to use some of those items that were donated to us for their event and we'll do that with future events down the road the significance of helping the Y out is that the Y is closed because their roof has been badly, badly damaged. Yeah. Uh, they also had, had some other problems inside. We want to see them get up and running as soon as possible. And we think one of the ways we can help is by assisting with the 5K that's coming up on sure. December third. Sure, no,
1: absolutely. I mean, a lot of great things have, have happened in this unfortunate circumstance. Uh, anything else you need to relay to the public?
2: Sure. One of the things that we noticed, sort of of secondary realization, was that for a couple days, there wasn't much commerce going on in Hendersonville. And December is a big month uh, Mm -hmm. for commerce, and the city of Hendersonville is very much dependent on sales tax. There are a couple days where we're probably going to take a hit, the city Mm -hmm. will, in sales tax. I think I say this roughly half the time I speak anywhere on any subject, but please shop in Hendersonville. If you're not shopping in Hendersonville at a store, please make sure that when you buy something online that use 37075 as your zip. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have some stores, especially some smaller stores, that at the time of the year that they were expecting the most revenue to come in for for them and for the city of Hendersonville, uh, they weren't open. That's right. So please please make sure that... uh, you still visit those stores and, and, and take advantage of what they're selling.
1: No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Gosh, this, this thing started moving really fast. You know, we've got the power uh, back up. I mean, there's still maybe a few people that were having incidents and things of that nature, but I think everybody's on it. We got a handle on it, and things are trying to get back to some normalcy.
2: So, And as that happens, we will evaluate our response to this disaster just like we did two years ago with mm-hmm. tornado just like we did several months ago in march and already we've learned that we need to go out and buy some generators for our traffic signals i think there's always the opportunity when you have a challenge that you can evaluate how well you did two years ago with tornado we discovered that we need to get an on-call them hauler out right here. Yeah, yeah um we also realized that we need to have a line in our budget item for insurance deductibles and these are not exciting things and these are pretty boring right. things when it comes to what the city does <laughs> but to have 15 or 20 generators sitting somewhere ready to be used at traffic signals in the event that we need them that would be huge for us and oh, so sure. that, that's something we've already learned that we need to do but we're going to evaluate a little bit more how we responded to this and see how we can be ready for the next for the next situation yeah. if yeah. we
1: have it yeah well yeah let's uh, let's hope yeah. not uh we've been talking with mayor jamie clary right here the mayor of the city of hendersonville look you guys are doing a great job Thank we've you. got the place getting cleaned up we're getting back to christmas time and uh, hopefully people will be happy so thank you so much for coming in you're Um, very
2: welcome and thank you for all the information you provided to everybody
1: absolutely all right we'll be right back with more summer county spotlight thanks for listening to summer county spotlight be sure to check out our podcast page at whinradio.com just go to the podcast tab and click the summer county spotlight there you can check out this show as well as our past episodes this is jeff shannon hey let's get right back to the show all right, welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, we're going to continue on. And I wanted to bring in our Sumner County Mayor, John Isbell, and kind of go over things uh, since we had last met. And, uh, you know, during the course of this thing, it was uh, really kind of chaotic and, and everything. But at this point, I think we've we've got a, a plan in place, and, and things are, are working nicely and smoothly trying to get things back to normal. So, Mr. John Isbell, thank you so much for taking time. Oh, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Since we last met, I mean, a lot has happened.
3: Just a little. Um,
1: little bit. So what do you think we've learned since the last time we met?
3: Well, you know, as with any disaster, it's very important that we come together after the fact and bring all the stakeholders into the room. And let's talk about what went down, how everything happened, how we reacted to it, and how the community came together. So that's what we're going to do next. Just as soon as we get past the disaster recovery centers, the SBA, all their actions and start the rebuilding process, uh, we're all going to sit in a room and we're going to talk about this. You know, there's always room for improvement. There's always the opportunity to include more people and to make sure that all of those channels are open. Well, and that's the point. The channels have to be open. And
1: I talked with the folks with the Intersville Chamber and, and United Way, and we, they all agreed that the communication with the county, with the city officials, fire department, SBA, FEMA, all of that was excellent. You know, and, and could it be improved? Oh, sure. But you're, you're throwing into a disaster that happens that quick. But to get that communication. Education line opened as fast as it did. I think it was exceptional.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm really impressed when we uh, when we brought our our emergency operations center open. We stood that up right as we knew that the tornado was touching the county next to us over in Davidson County. Uh, we went ahead and ramped up emergency services. I headed straight there to be able to get on site, start making decisions. We brought entities in from Gallatin, from Hendersonville, and and just started working. We were blessed to have other entities through our mutual aid agreements. Wilson County came up. We had Rutherford County came up, and we had our volunteer fire departments were on standby, ready to go, and hit these hardest-hit areas.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure Ken Widener's uh, at this point, he's he's just, he's this is what he's made for.
3: <laughs> Ken's the best in the business.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's great when you have somebody in there like that and, you know, and get things coordinated and make things happen, and that's right. what happens. you you got to make it happen
3: right now. Yeah, Ken's the best, and, and Mickey, uh, and that whole team down there, you know, they, they did awesome. We had great community communications with our telecommunicators they did very good and then of course we had fire and emergency on site as well uh, we had the Gallatin Mayor was in and just had a great line of communication. There, was there any report
1: at this point on the 911 calls that came in through dispatch that night?
3: I don't have the exact number with me. It was all managed very well. I think it was, it was getting close to midnight when when we ramped down and said, okay, we're back to the normal call load. Right. So we all uh, we debriefed and left. And got ready for sun up, so we could start damage assessment. Because it's hard to see. Everything was blacked out. <laughs> not, not a whole lot to see at That's night. That's right. Oh, wow. It looked like a war zone going through Hendersonville mm-hmm. at midnight. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the
1: Rockland Road area. I mean, the Rockland Road uh, park down there, it doesn't look the same. Right. It really doesn't. And uh, they've got a lot of work to do down there for sure. So as far as uh, uh, Gallatin, you know, as it came through Madison, through Hendersonville, by the time it got to Gallatin,
3: I think it probably was kind of fizzing out at that point. Yeah, it was, I guess, what they call hopping. It was going up and down. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would hit some areas. It hit the the plantation in Fairview pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, it went out and caught uh, a little bit of Airport Road, a couple of neighborhoods out in that area, Mm -hmm. and then exited out into Trousdale County where it it caught some homes out there mm-hmm. you know it, it's eerie to look at it and and we've published this photo on different venues but we've got the track of the 2006 and the 2008 tornadoes lined up with this tornado you just see the similarities in both wow. to, in all three tornadoes and the areas that they cover wow uh, yeah
1: it's like a magnet it's it, it is it like right a tornado here. alley so yes yeah. well yeah well, we don't want that, that name. We do not <laughs> want that remember. name. Uh. As far as dealing with the state, uh, I know this couple of senators came in. Uh, have you had any meetings uh, with them or the governor? I know the governor came in as well. So,
3: Yeah, I had an opportunity to tour one of the hard-hit neighborhoods with the governor. Mm-hmm. And I've been on the phone with Senator Haggerty and, and Senator Blackburn and, and, of course, John Rose's team. So we've had constant communication. I mean, they're there to help. They've done very well. Uh, been very supportive with whatever we need. Uh, they were very good on the front end with t- with getting TVA. Uh, TVA did a phenomenal job getting their power stations up and running, so mm-hmm. we had the power with NES and Cumberland and all of them. So, uh, so yeah, all of uh, we've worked well with all of them. TEMA has been on site. They're still on site. A little bit, Mm -hmm. not near as much. Uh, FEMA is now on site with their disaster recovery center in Gallatin. And then they also have an SBA center here with the Chamber of Commerce uh, to help individuals and business owners. So it's something that, you know, while I've got a second, it's really important that people understand that they have to go through that DRC, uh, the disaster recovery center, before they can apply for the SBA loan. That's correct. And so get that letter of determination from the DRC, then you can take that to the SBA and get a low-interest loan to help with the rebuilding process. And that's available for businesses as well as for personal residences.
1: Sure. No, absolutely. And you know the great thing, if there's a great thing about social media, it really is a conduit to, to really spreading information fast because people are glued to that device, you know?
3: Yeah, and we, we've tried very hard to keep stuff posted on Facebook. This is one of the few times I asked, right. Right? I, I probably shouldn't say it because Meta is local, and I love Meta. They're a great community partner. Yeah. But this is some of the good stuff that comes out of Facebook. Sure.
1: Now, I know early on, and and you were excellent about jumping on this because you, you, you saw it happen, were those individuals that are maybe – not as up and up and they're scam artists they're coming in they're maybe fake fema people and tell us what you you put out about that
3: yeah i mean we anytime there's a scam alert or a scam artist out there we do try to publicize that and and people need to understand that that's going to happen, and when I put out there that FEMA people will be out, they will have badges on, mm-hmm. and if you have any questions, you can always call our office, because we will identify them as authentic or not. And they still um, could be doing it, you yeah, know, right. even this latest stage. Yeah, you know, yeah but. They, they still could be doing the damage assessments. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're pretty much wrapped up with all that, but there could be opportunities where one may knock on your door. If you have any questions, any concerns, please call our office.
1: Yeah, and that's the best way to do it, And and you have to go by your that gut feeling—if it just doesn't feel right, it's probably not. And it's better to check it out than to be sorry. It's worth know. the phone call because you get all the the roofers and the contractors that'll be flooding in this area trying mm-hmm. to, you know, jump on these things and and make a quick buck and uh, maybe not as uh, savory. Because we will hear those stories as this thing passes. You
3: know, we will. And and also we need to understand that there are some good ones out there that are you know seizing an opportunity. It's a business opportunity. So I understand roofers going out there and, and trying to get the business out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't fault them for that. You just have to be leery of those that are a bit dubious in nature. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. And they will uh, try to take advantage. And, you know, they, they seek a opportunity. They're going to jump on that. Well, I think one of the great things about this is none of our summer county schools were damaged. We did not. Could have been,
3: oh. No problems with schools or government buildings. Mm-hmm. That was certainly a blessing. We were fixing a few things over at the courthouse at the wing got a hold of the new courthouse, Mm -hmm. but is all minor. Yeah, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, all minor stuff.
1: Yeah, because you, you want to get that thing done. We want to get it done.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah,
1: you know, working with, like, the sheriff's office and the police departments, and, of course, with Ken, I mean, everybody's collaborating in there and finding out and, and talking about uh, the damage, but did they relay to you any uh, unusual calls maybe they had that night? Uh,
3: no, no, we actually, we had all the calls up on our on our big screen, so to speak, our big wall, mm-hmm. and uh, there really wasn't anything out of the ordinary. A lot of scared citizens. You know, that was another thing that Sumner County was blessed with no major injuries and no yes. deaths. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so everything was mostly power lines down, trees down, you know, stuff stuff of that nature. And mm-hmm.
1: talking with the Hendersonville mayor, Jamie Clary, he had realized after, at least up to this point, that realized, okay, there are some things we could do better. And one thing he mentioned was putting generators, buying enough generators where we can put them in, in the proper places, like busy intersections, to run the traffic. Lights, people still got to go out. You know why they go out in all this mess, but still, you got to control those street lights because that was that was a big issue this time.
3: It absolutely was, and I and I think that's an excellent idea. And we actually in our last meeting with with EMA with Ken and, and his crew, we talked about trying to get some extra generators as well just to have them over at the MA, And a lot of those are for our towers, our communication towers. We've got to make sure that those stay up and running, uh, but also to have for need. You know, we had uh, the Legacy, uh, one of our uh, convalescent homes that had some issues. Yeah. And uh, when the power is out for so long, that becomes concerning. So uh, th- that's where generators are needed, and we just want to be able to be there for
1: them. Well, I think in those those places, like you just said, probably we'll learn from this as well because, look, you got people and ventilators that you have to have power in there so they're they're going to have to break down and, and get one of those big uh, generacs in there to run that whole building you know what i'm saying and because yeah. you you can't afford that right that could be devastating yeah it could be so it's just you know having these plans in place but i think the the great thing that i'm seeing out of this is we've learned a lot but we weren't that surprised
3: mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. as things start happening uh, everybody just did what they're supposed to do yeah well you know this was my first tornado as county mayor this was you know a, of any disaster of magnitude and and i was very impressed i was very impressed at how everybody came together mm-hmm. in the elc and people need to understand that's that's where it happens and for those that don't know it the emergency Operations center is a hardened facility that building can take a direct hit from an f5 tornado oh. and we can still operate yeah so that's where everybody goes we have to have representatives from all of the cities representatives from all of the law enforcement and fire and all that that's mm-hmm. and and we run everything out of there so the ability for them to come together, ramp that up so quickly, and us start coordinating efforts, and then you start seeing the other counties call and the other cities call and say, hey, what can we do? Well, we can't just say, go here, go there. We have to have a good specific spot for them to go. And all that plan evolves on the fly. Mm-hmm. So having, having a team like we had there running that show was very impressive for me. Now, I will say that I took some notes of things that I thought could go better. And as we debrief and do our after-action plan, that's some of the things that we'll talk about.
1: Well, I can tell you this, that uh, Sumner County should have the utmost confidence in your ability. You got through this thing, and if it ever happens again and it stays away from our alley, <laughs> and hopefully we won't have to deal with it, uh, I think it's going to be a lot better, just a, a lot more streamlined you know, we won't have any surprises right. pop up on us. You know what I'm saying? So that's good.
3: So what do we look at going forward here? Well, going forward, we're still, we're looking at the rebuilding process yeah. now. You know, y'all care about your businesses, you know, support those businesses out there. You know, I know there's several of them that hopefully they're going to be reopened soon and they're going to want Hendersonville supporting them and Gallatin supporting them. And I'm looking forward to all of these businesses reopening and supporting them and uh, making sure that they're the most successful business that they can be here in hendersonville and gallatin absolutely and
1: you know it's just the the wheel is big and once it starts moving you want all those parts to just all come together and be smooth you know so well just keep doing what you're doing we'll keep checking back with you and uh if you got anything to, to spread out you know send it over to us and we'll be glad to do that
3: absolutely thank you very much for having me and, and thank you for all you do here in Hendersonville and Sumner County area spreading information. Well, that's what we're here for, and we, we love it. All
1: right, that's going to wrap it up for this segment of Sumner County Spotlight. Stick around. We've got a lot more coming your way. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Welcome back to Sumter County Spotlight with Jeff Shannon. We're going to continue our program today. And you, we got a story for you. This is Fire Chief Scotty Bush right here in Hendersonville. You have a story to tell, and we've got some great stats and a great kudos going out to you, which we'll talk about as well. So, hey, welcome back to Hendersonville. And you can start off with that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you. It's always good to be here and, uh, and share our message on WHAN and, and get to spend time with you. I guess kind of add on to what you were talking about, I've been out of town on the day of the event event uh, December the 9th of the tornado and just landed in the airport making my way to luggage claim and uh, baggage claim and my phone starts ringing and uh, folks were telling me about all the destruction that happened uh, here in town. So I went from a stressful week in class to uh, having to change my hat now thinking maybe I was going to get home and see my girlfriend for the first time in a week and spend a nice peaceful evening at home. And Not going to uh, happen. Yeah, it changed pretty <laughs> quick.
1: Yeah, so you get the calls. They said, wow, we got this. Uh, and one of the things that came up with was big play entertainment which is i mean that was pretty serious
4: yeah that was the first uh, actual call that i got was that big play had collapsed and we had over 200 people that were inside the building and p- potentially trapped for that wow. and so uh, i was perplexed of course and wanting to confirm that because obviously some phone calls are going to have to be made mm-hmm. uh, nashville being down the street with us they have some technical rescue folks uh, actually, they are Tennessee Task Force, Two, and they're well-equipped for building collapses, things like that. I wanted to confirm that, but I got on the phone immediately with them and said, I know you're, you're busy. However, we, we may need a favor in Hendersonville as well.
1: Yeah, and that's that's great to have that collaboration. You, everybody works together. And that's the great thing about everything that happened. I mean, as you saw throughout the, the, the past week, how this community comes together, how resilient they are. We bounce back. We we go out. We help out and, and donate money, donate supplies. We'll appreciate that.
4: Yeah, it's uh. Hendersonville is a really great community. I've been here uh, my whole life. 2006 tornado, the 2010 floods, 2021 tornado, a straight line wind event in the spring of this year, and then turn around and have a tornado almost two years to the date of the 2021 and the way the community responds. The chamber, Ms. Kathleen, Aaron through the United Way, and just Mm -hmm. all the people that are willing to give. You know, there's a lot of decisiveness in the country. That's a story for a totally different day. But when something like that happens, it truly shows the spirit of a community and how resilient they are and to be the fire chief uh, that was part of one of my classes was community and resiliency building and programs and uh, I, th- I think we're doing really good here in Hendersonville.
1: yeah I mean and I know you guys do ongoing training I mean this is just a constant thing you have to keep up new technology new techniques things of that nature but how do you plan for something that happens so fast like this
4: well, unfortunately, we're getting a lot of experience over the last few years. <laughs> right. uh, that's not something to, yeah. to to brag about, but uh, you learn from each episode. I think when some of the initial paperwork and stuff slows down a little bit, I think we're going to get together with other city leaders, the mayor and uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Eckenroth and uh, department heads and and discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly Right. and h- how we can grow. But really, those uncomfortable areas is where you get the best growth.
1: That's right. And um, you learn. Correct. I mean, you get some best learning things. You say, correct. okay, we did this, this, eh, we need to fine tune that. Yeah, yeah 100%. absolutely.
4: We activated the EOC. By the time we got there, uh, PD had already had it set up. I just kind of blended in with them. And it, once we get it open and get our feet up underneath us, uh, again, because of the experience we've had over the last few years, it really flows well. Mr. Ross showed up, and I think he was in communication with the mayor. Information and, and things was flowing in one avenue. PIO was there, Casey Lamar. So, I mean, again, there's, there's some areas we can improve as an agency, mm-hmm. as a city, but obviously those are the things that we'll focus on for the next event, whatever that may be. And we even train for those events. So, like for you know, Hometown Jams, the Freedom Festival, uh, you know, we always have a large presence at those festivals Mm -hmm. as well. And again, going back to today's society, you never know what's going to happen, but that would certainly be an an area where a large group of people are congregated if something was to happen, that we would activate an EOC and and triage folks or uh, just run a a large scenario like
1: that. Sure. And and I guess you also learn, say, well, if we had just had this piece of equipment, because there's always equipment for something.
4: Yes, (laughs) and And, and I think the county mitigation plan identifies some of those weaknesses that we have as a city. We've talked about that in staff meetings with Mr. Eckenroth and the mayor, and I think that's something we're going to pursue in the coming months. Um, mm-hmm. We've identified so, like on these red light situations, they're looking at trying to get some uh, generators that right. would plug into those so you're not risking the police officers' lives in those dark intersections. Trying to direct traffic for
1: folks. Yeah. Oh, it was a mess. I mean, it was it was surreal to drive down anywhere, and we weren't out gawking. We had to go out for a reason, but it it was it was crazy. The cops are out there in the middle. I mean, how dangerous that is because nobody can see you even with the vest on and things like that. So that is a great idea to have have those generators in those, especially those major intersections. But I don't recall of any any crashes that happened or anything serious. I mean, there might have been some bumpers or things like that, but uh, I don't
4: remember a whole lot of call volume uh, that related to car wrecks. I think everybody was kind of mining their P's and Q's. There was a lot more people on the road than what we expected. Oh, We figured crazy. folks would not come out, but uh, it was was crazy uh, how many people did come out. And, you know, various reasons. Folks are coming out to check on friends, family, businesses, mm-hmm. et cetera. But, you know, in those times of events, we, we try to encourage folks to stay home. I think the ECC was inundated with like 300 calls within like a two-hour window. And I think the city of Hendersonville, the fire department alone, we answered to 75 of those.
1: And most of those are health-related, correct? Uh,
4: we had some minor injuries 5 to 7 people okay. nothing super big uh, again uh, praise god that there was no fatalities i mean uh if you didn't believe in jesus or god right. i think this was a time at the, the time of the evening that this occurred and so yeah. many people out in the community and doing different things which we encourage all the time and not for us to have a fatality i think uh i think we had somebody looking over the top of
1: us well as many uh, senior living facilities we have any any calls in those places at all uh, but
4: typically those come in after uh, we we'll okay. get some gas leaks and structures right okay. when you start having walls collapse Roofs blown off, HVAC units come loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the typical gas calls. Typically, the the senior centers would be like the next day where they don't have heat, where they don't have power, right. and we're trying to figure out how to get them generators. Not every one of them has generators on their campuses, right. uh, and so we 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 reach out to EMA, another uh, community partner, and, and try to get uh, generators to those.
1: You know, there's all those people on ventilators and oxygen and you, who knows what. I mean, you got to have power right away.
4: Yeah, we have know? a few of those in Hendersonville that we've identified, and those are the folks that we focus. Focus on first, okay. We have kids here in Hendersonville that do our own uh, ventilators. They they have a battery backup for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our list is focused on those individuals and the retirement places.
1: Yeah. From the day you arrived, you came back to now. What's your assessment at this point,
4: man? Just uh, what a what a great community. I mm-hmm. mean, again, just the outpouring of, of concern and and compassion. The folks uh, in the community that just gave money gave supplies, gave just sweat equity, all the things that people in communities do, cut, mm-hmm. d- removing debris, show up with chainsaws, and helping neighbors, helping neighbors. Yeah. Um, it's really a, a fantastic sight, and really makes you proud to be a part of a community that, that does so many things.
1: No, absolutely. And, and they really did. I mean, and quickly. People respond very quickly to, to these kinds of things because they know people need help. I had a, a guy come in from the chamber, heard about this, flew all the way down from Pennsylvania, wow. says, I'm just here to help. Right. And he didn't have a car. Yeah. So, you know, I had to, he was here for the cleanup down to City Hall. So I said, come on, I'll load him up, took him down there, and he, you know, did his volunteering. And that, that was a special kind of story that somebody comes that far. Sure, but, 100%. So you were out of town for a little bit uh, prior to that, and then you come in and, welcome home, Chief. Right. <laughs> so what were you doing?
4: So I was at uh, the National Fire Academy. Um, I've been spending the last 18 months in the executive fire officer program, which is a prestigious thing for the fire service. It's probably... Uh, probably probably the pinnacle of my career.'ve got a master's degree,, uh, but I would say this probably even tops that. Just the opportunity, to be at such a prestigious academy and learn so much from so many across the country and uh, make me a better fire chief, make me a better person and teach me all kinds of aspects about life and the fire service.
1: And you meet some great people. Yes, sir. Yeah. it's great to have those connections. Those connections. That's absolutely right. There was 23
4: other folks in the class with me and uh, we all uh, swapped business cards, challenge coins and uh, Friendships for life. Matter of fact, some of those folks I was in class with uh, were sending me text and phone calls during the weather event saying, Hey, if you need something, we're coming.
1: See? Just let us know. Wow. I so, mean, that's great.
4: Uh, some of those folks I just met for that one week, some of them I'd been through since the beginning, mm-hmm. but they were willing to, to pick up, drop whatever they were doing, and, and come help if they needed to.
1: That's the great thing about the job. You know, you get that close knit community, whether it be blue or red, you great. know, they, they all stick together. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and uh, so, what are some of the things you had to cover in this course? I mean, it, we were talking before, and it's like pretty uh, intensive.
4: Yes, sir. So uh, it's kind of a, like I said, it was 18 months. I went up, I think, last November for a two-week exercise of executive leadership self. And basically that first class is kind of educate you about yourself, your job. You're in the the room with other fire chiefs or deputy fire chiefs or folks aspiring to be chiefs. You have to have a bachelor's degree to even be allowed into the program. Okay. And so you spend those 10 weeks doing self-assessments on your life and your work-life balance. And you educate yourself about that you can get so submersed in work that your family can suffer from that. And I think that's a huge message that I would try to tell anybody. I try to tell that to my staff now. The job is very important. uh, But at the end of the day, when the job is over 30 years or longer, Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, your family and friends are really who's going to be there for you because the department will and should go on, right? You want folks to continue on and make it better. But at the end of the day, the only folks that you're going to have is your friends and family. And so it really educates you about how to balance that and make that work for you as a professional.
1: No, absolutely. It's so so important. But there's so many different aspects of your job. And this course pretty much is, you know, for the, like, like you said, the chiefs and aspiring chiefs coming up. So it's just a great insight on things you're going to be facing and how to improve yourself. Correct. And some of these courses were like, whoa, <laughs> that's pretty intensive.
4: Yes, yeah, so we, uh, we, we went back for another uh, one-week course that was uh, exercise of executive leadership where you focused on your organization. Typically, when you're inside of an organization, I don't care what organization it is, you see all the good. And uh, it's not to say that you do things horrible or mm-hmm. bad or you're wrong in the way that you do things but you get a different perspective from folks looking from the outside, looking in. Mm-hmm. And so it opens your eyes to um, to doing that, to looking at what your organization is doing really well and maybe what, where there's some gaps identified, and what you're going to do as a leader to try to close those gaps. That doesn't mean you have to do it all at once, but you've got to work towards those.
3: No, absolutely. Uh, and,
4: and, and again, identifying where your weaknesses are, because we all have them as organization.
1: And there's so much to learn in, in management and organization and how to streamline it, how to make it better, how to improve and using technology, using information because it's an informational society, you know, so.
4: Yeah, it, it, the fire service has changed tremendously. I mean, this is my, this month is my 37th year with the city. So it has changed tremendously. And the days of walking in and telling the council that, you know, I need money because money saves lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't put a price tag on a life. Everybody knows That's that. Right. And data drives, decision making and uh, we have sh- completely shifted our focus in the organization to having supporting data to help make us decisions to present to board and the mayor uh, to help them make better educated decisions on where funding should go
1: no and and, and that is important and, and as we know technology changes we have equipment that ages and in your line of work you got to have something that's going to work and what's the oldest vehicle you got right now
4: uh we have one that's about 21 years old but the board <laughs> is uh, working to to yeah. get that replaced yeah and uh, I mean, they, they've been over backwards to try to help us with keeping us. We just passed recently a, a resolution to have a, a replacement program, 15 years frontline, five years as a reserve. And the board understands that and mm-hmm. it comes at a cost, but they're willing to invest in the organization that gives so much like the the,
1: the day of the tornado. You graduated this course and then you get you have to put those letters behind your name. Now it's like, ding, ding, ding. You know what mine is? What's that? I got an NDAA okay that's very prestigious okay no degree at all well
4: that's okay there's there's nothing wrong with an NDA there's several folks in the in the workforce that don't have degrees they're yeah. solid workers and I would say that you're probably one of the best in your in your business
1: well thank you thank you very much uh, what do we look like here going forth I mean as far as you know we're, we're getting everything caught back up and uh, things getting back to normal uh, the, the
4: most difficult part now is for the individuals as homeowners and business owners uh, I think going back looking at the numbers. On Sunday, we worked really well with the coach department, and uh, we worked a long uh, nine-hour day, and we did over 276 on-the-ground assessments. Okay. So with that, we had 12 buildings that were destroyed, uh, 74 with major damage, 78 with affected damage, 112 with minor, and then one that was totally inaccessible. And so what that translated to was 136 businesses were affected, 128 residential structures, homes, eight apartment buildings, and then five public buildings, which could be like the YMCA, sure. the yeah. library, I'm not saying those were the buildings right. affected, but mm. those are what we're talking about when we say public buildings. Right. City Hall, things like that.
1: Right. Well, you still got your job cut out for you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah.
4: sir. And, and you know, a lot of times, and that's what I stress to my folks as we were out doing these damage assessments with codes, is uh, you're, you're catching people again at one of the most stressful times in their lives. And they're going to have a lot of questions. And sometimes the questions may seem redundant, not really important at that time. Mm-hmm. But what they want is somebody who's going to be caring and compassionate and listen to the questions they have. And one thing you don't want to do is provide information that's not factual, but certainly be a lending ear and try to comfort and, and let them know that help is on the way and that these assessments are the first part of getting that help. And
1: they can always get information from you on the city's website. Just go to the fire department page and everything's there. You're on social media. So it's all put out there. That's right. So that's great. Hey, we've been talking with Fire Chief Scotty Bush here with the city of Hendersonville, doing an exceptional, to quote the mayor, job here. And now we got all these credentials. That makes you bigger and better. I gotta say, world, get ready. Scotty's back. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Hey, we'll be right back with more Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Summer County Spotlight. Be sure to check out our podcast page at whinradio.com. Just go to the podcast tab and click the Summer County Spotlight. There you can check out this show as well as our past episodes. This is Jeff Shannon. Hey, let's get right back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Summer County Spotlight this Sunday morning here with Jeff Shannon. We're going to continue talking tornadoes. We don't want to ever want to see one again that's come through here, and we've had great conversations with some of our leaders, and I wanted to bring some folks in here that were kind of on the front lines of this whole thing uh, as it got started, and uh, we got Kathleen Hawkins, the president and CEO of the Hendersonville Chamber, and we got Aaron Birch with United Way Sumner County, and uh, look, you, you all were are we right there at the forefront trying to organize this thing and, and get things in place, as hectic as it was. So Kathleen, thanks for coming in. I know it's you're still busy over there. Kind of give us an update on, on your part.
0: An update on our part as far as how, how it started.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Sunday morning early morning, I got a text message from Aaron with United Way and she asked if there was a possibility of us using our event center. And I said absolutely, and we met that day and sat in the dark and freezing cold event space coming up with a game plan and trying mm-hmm. to strategize what the next step would be to help our community recover or begin the recovery process.
1: Well, in, in in a good place, it was kind of a good hub right here at the streets of Indian Lake, because it's mm-hmm. kind of like right in, in the middle of things. So the space worked out really nicely for that to make that the kind of like the headquarters, if you will. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, it kept people off Main Street. That was yeah. really important because there was so much damage on Main Street. People could easily get to us from New Newshackle or easily get to us from three eighty six without interfering with our with what our officers and our emergency responders were working on that
2: day.
1: So what you did is you started collecting donations, and of course we had to put the word out once power got back on and were able. <laughs> To, to actually get cell phone signal and all of that. So. Well,
0: I'll let I'll Erin let speak a little bit on how we started the process yep. because she kind of put the messaging together and then we duplicated and shared her yeah. messaging to let everybody in the community know.
5: Well, hey, I just have to say that on Saturday night when the tornadoes came through and my phone started ringing off because United Way along with red cross is kind of our first go-to and a disaster in our communities so i started making phone calls because i knew donations were going to come in because mm-hmm. it's sumner county and that's yeah. how we roll yep. and where are we going to put them and our office is very very small and so i had put out almost a dozen phone calls <laughs> and thankfully by the grace of god yeah. kathleen um answered my text um at kind of weird hours and that's her um, that's how she rolls. Yeah yeah. yeah yeah and said and said yes and And so we have been um, just humbled and honored to be guests in the Hendersonville Chamber home over at the streets. It really was needed. It was necessary. And we very quickly put together messaging and filtered it out. And people were coming in droves to donate supplies for both cleanup, but also just everything that was going to be needed to get us through the first stages of relief.
1: Well, and, and the thing about that, tornadoes happen like real quick. You don't have a whole lot of warning like in a hurricane, said, so, "Well, it's coming, so you got might have." three or four days to prepare for that, but not this. I mean, it happened at a really worse time, per se. They're all bad, but during four or five o'clock in the afternoon, six o'clock in that time period, it gets very busy around here.
0: Right, and I've actually had a lot of experience dealing with hurricane disasters in the past, being, she keeps calling me a Florida girl because I keep calling the tornado (laughs) a hurricane. But having that experience, I kind of knew what people needed and what the first stages were. So we were able to, on Sunday, quickly craft a list of what to start collecting. And um, the reason why I was up early in the morning and and answered her phone call or answered her text messages is because starting Saturday night... To four o'clock Sunday morning, I was getting texts from Ultimate Party and from Pizza Ranch and from Big Play Entertainment, and they were reaching out to me because I was their first, their business was in That's trouble, right. yeah. and they didn't know necessarily yet to call United Way. Mm-hmm. They know as a business they contact the chamber, so I had to help because it's my job to serve our businesses. And right now, I've physically talked to seventy four businesses that have had disastrous damage mm-hmm. to their businesses, and I think the mayor said one hundred and thirty five total that had mm-hmm. from minor damages. So we had to work with united way to help and serve our community any way we could
1: well and a lot of these businesses have been impacted uh and, it, and the thing is being with the chamber as well i mean you know them so it, it kind of gives an extra little mm, little umph to you that we got to we got to get out there and help these folks and so you have things in place right now and i know you're trying to build uh, funds and are in your chamber foundation to supply grants to the, as many businesses as we can
0: we are a 501c3, so we are already have started cl- getting lots of great donations. And our goal is to get some sort of fund relief to every business that's been impacted. Yeah. Um, that's what we're working on right now. And then I know United Way is working with a lot of people as well to to help in that process yeah. um, and to possibly even help us or to help our mm-hmm. businesses. You know, We're working together to help figure out how we can support as people as much as we can.
5: It really is a, I, I don't know if it's unique to Storms, but the fact that so many businesses have been affected you know, you think of the the brick and mortar of the business, but there's employees who now don't have payroll. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the partnership of, of us working together has really been important. We work really quickly to get up a United Way of Sumner County disaster relief hub. And so um, we've just been sharing information out, whether it's agencies that are going to be helping folks or what the folks who have been affected where they can go and get with it, what's needed for them. Just a one-stop where they can kind of find out what's available, what they need to do, if they're individuals They need to register with Red Cross. If they're businesses, we have SBA that's set up at the Hendersonville Chamber office. The real office, not the street. Yeah, Yeah, that's located at 100 Country Club Drive. And and we're telling everybody
0: whether you're FEMA is there and the SBA is there. So whether you're a a personal person that was impacted, an employee that was impacted, a business that was impacted, or you have a home, even if you're a renter that was impacted, you do need to register with both FEMA and the SBA. So you can, SBA does not only loan to small businesses. They do have other opportunities available. Mm-hmm. And I tell people that to find out what you qualify for. And if you don't use it, then send it back, you know, put it in an interest bearing account for a while and mm-hmm. then send it back. I think that's really important for people to know they're open Monday through Saturday from eight to five. And I'm not sure how long they'll continue, but they should be there through the end of January.
1: And that's really helpful to have these folks on the ground. And I think the fact that, the you know, that the mayor, did the proclamation so early on, and we talked about this when we had him in here, that kind of expedited things to get the, the government involved. Right.
5: Makes such a difference. And just so everyone knows, the Red Cross is available on-site at Union University, and they are available 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. today and tomorrow. and okay. um, That would be Friday.
1: Well, and, and you got, you just got to go in. Okay. Some people might say, well, I'm not sure. You know, Just go, and they'll, they'll help you through that and, and see if you, you actually could qualify for that, because they have to do assessments because there'll be those people that try to milk the system and they've got things in place they've been doing this long enough so they they've got things to do that it's it's great that they're going to be there as long as they're needed if they're done on friday they've got everything then they're done you know but uh, the great thing is there's a lot of information floating on social media that you have been putting out that you've been putting out and where to go who to call like the american job center for people looking for jobs and the thing about jobs is we've had people come in over here that were actually worked at big play entertainment and now they're out of work.
0: Right, right. You know? Their whole building is going to be taken down. It's, yeah. it's, and they had 200 people in that space that when it occurred, it's it's pretty traumatic. So we are working right now, not only with United Way, but with the Goodwill Career Center and the American Job Center to hold an employee assistance day. And it will be held at the chamber next week. And we'll do more than one if we have to. But we're going to mm-hmm. get the message out to all the businesses that were damaged and any homeowner that is out of employment. Maybe if they worked remotely and now, now they don't have a place to work, to get them into the chamber office, to let them talk to – file their unemployment and talk to American Job Center and talk to the Career Center at Goodwill. But also, while they're there, go ahead and apply with FEMA or the SBA if they need to. So we're trying to create a one-stop place so it's not drastically overwhelming and we're not sending them to places all over our community.
1: No, absolutely, because that's that gets frustrating, <laughs> especially this day and time with all the shoppers here and the traffic we have. It's uh, makes it difficult.
5: And they're in the middle of trauma. Yeah. And and that's, that's just a really difficult time to navigate things. And so we're trying to make it... It as easy as possible in a really really tough time and especially at the holiday season
0: right now I can tell you that I want to encourage people that if you have a need that's unique like uh, the first couple of days a lot of businesses like jolly ollies or, or firestone a lot of businesses were in desperate need of dumpsters mm-hmm. that was hard to do so I was able to go to united way and say can we get dumpsters at these locations and because of the monetary funds they had received they were able to help us do that mm-hmm. but we've also had businesses reach out and say I need shop vacs or I have a place that I can move my office and work, but I, I my desk and my chairs were destroyed. And we literally got a business, three desks and three chairs. And then we got another business, a desk and a chair. So no matter how odd the request may seem to be, we had a business come in and all they needed was plastic bins because they had important paperwork that oh, needed to be right. salvaged and they needed a place to put that paperwork before it was damaged. Sure. So it doesn't matter what it is, if if you have a need, call the chamber, call United Way. We'll figure out how to find it because there are enough people. We're the volunteer state and people stepped up and served in a real really big way and they're continuing to to want to help I can't tell you the biggest need I have right now is I have several businesses that are trying to save equipment or furniture within their business and I need pods so if anybody has storage units or pods that they can hook us up with give us a discount on donate or any temporary warehouse space that people can use it's gonna take you know in some cases six months to three to five years for people to rebuild and if they can save like jolly ollies they have custom booths that were made they need to relocate those booths somewhere so they don't have to remake them again or that's an additional devastating expense so Mm -hmm. that's what
5: our need is right now
0: you know in the immediate future that and helping employees
1: and for you
5: and for us you know one of the things that's so important to realize is these folks that are being displaced from their home or they're so damaged that they have needs they need places to be able to walk through their needs as well and that's where the partnerships with United Way really come into play with our partner agencies all across whether it's Hendersonville Samaritan, Unlimited Potential got folks at Gallatin Cares Gallatin Shalom Zone helping with toys Mm -hmm. so all of these agencies really wrap around and collaborate to make sure that these families are being taken care of on an everyday basis but now we've thrown a disaster in their way so we've definitely been sending folks their way and that's where some of the funding will be going out to those agencies agencies to make sure that we can help with those financial burdens that the individuals and families are having during this time as well.
1: And what's uh, a big need for you right now?
5: You know, a big need for us is to make sure that the information is getting out to the people that need it. So sharing our information that we're pushing out on socials, just looking at the UnitedWaySumner.org website where we have our disaster relief hub because we're trying real time to make sure that we have updated information on there. And, And that's part of it is making sure everyone has the right information so that we're not making someone who's just been through this huge trauma go to 30 different places.
1: Sure. Well, you know, we're into this thing, what, a week or so? I, I, I think it's a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <yes, yes>. It's a <laughs> blur. Kathleen, we'll start with you. What do you think is the biggest thing you've learned from this experience?
0: How great Sumner County is. Yes. You know, how amazing to have 850 volunteers show up on our cleanup day, mm-hmm. to have people. Like, the, one of the most overwhelming things I think we dealt with the Monday after the tornadoes hit was the amount of people saying, how can I volunteer? How can I volunteer? How can I volunteer? And we were like, I don't know yet. You know, <laughs> we're working on it. Let's. And we were just taking names and numbers and trying to document it and and trying to figure out how people needed help. I can tell you Jolly Ollies, I think they filled up four dumpsters worth of stuff. They said that they did two weeks worth of cleanup in two days because of the amount of volunteers. Rogers Group came out with Bobcats Mm -hmm. and they were lifting. They filled, I think, four or five dumpsters at Ultimate Party because the whole back end of their building was demolished. And it's a big difference when you're cleaning up from a house that's been demolished that was wood frame Mm -hmm. to buildings that
5: are
2: concrete.
0: Steel and concrete. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, all of
1: that. Yeah. So Aaron, Aaron what what about you?
5: Gosh, you know, I think I'll be able to fill in a lot of blanks in my uh, disaster relief notebook now. Mm-hmm. Um those are those are uh, uh, that was a skeleton guide that I never wanted to fill in, but now we have fill in the blanks for that. You know, I just echo what Kathleen said. I, we get to see the good every single day in our county. But to see just neighbor and neighbor making sure that it didn't matter if it was, you know, emptying a, a dumpster or it was making sure someone someone had a generator or what what have you. I mean... It really was, how can I pitch in? What can I do? And then also waiting for that direction because we wanted to be so careful about sending people out where it would have been safe and a good time for them to go out and volunteer. And that's hard when you're like, I want to help, I want to get out. And so that really was the beauty of that Saturday cleanup Well, and the
1: great thing about it is the communication between the city officials, the county officials uh, with the chamber, with United Way and bringing Red Cross and FEMA. I think that communication thing It it wasn't like harem scarum. It it was like it was truly planned just for that event. And
5: I can't say enough about, you know, all the officials that we worked with, whether it was Chief Jones here in Hendersonville, Chief Beeman in Gallatin, um, Mayor Brown, Mayor Clary, Mayor Isabel. It really was like text chains all over the place, making sure that we were taking care of our community and however we needed to work together to do it. It was happening.
0: And I have to give a shout out for all the businesses that called. Called and said we for, when people didn't have power, especially by day three or four, people were hungry and they were cold and they didn't know when their power was going to come back on. So we had so many people and so many businesses say we want to sponsor a food truck. We want to Great. you know get and we had food trucks. Beth Pickle, who was oh, an amazing gosh, she person, was amazing. She had food trucks coordinated <laughs> in every neighborhood that needed it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and it was it was just amazing. So we couldn't have done that without the support of some businesses. You know, one business called and said I want to help a business that. Lost their power for a period of days and provide a hundred meals to linemen. We were able to go to Gammons Market and help Regina out, and you know she thanked us and said we helped her make payroll that month yeah, because wow. because she was able to have that support. You know when she
5: was closed, and like then she turned around and paid it forward and brought us lunch the next <laughs> day. <laughs> the next day, um, it was just that kind of thing is really yeah.
1: well. I know it is a great learning experience. I think a lot of people, I think, were impressed with the coordination and the efforts that Sumner County did to come together, and it's it's just a great thing and and uh, kudos to both of you for you know stepping up and taking this bull by the horns cuz it was it was a giant mess so again thank you so much for coming in i know you you've got to run and we've got more people to pass things out to and mm-hmm. distribute. So, Thanks for
3: having us here. Absolutely. have
1: been talking with Kathleen Hawkins, the president and CEO of the Hendersonville Chamber of Commerce and Aaron Birch with United Way Sumner County. So thank you so much for that and uh, well, hey, that's going to wrap it up for this segment of Sumner County Spotlight. Don't forget it's going to be on our podcast page at whinradio.com It'll drop here this afternoon and you can check this out over and over again. So I'm Jeff Shannon. We'll check you next time on Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m.